I, I feel very blessed um, to have some seniors in my life, people that are just a smidge older than me that talk truth into me, and I need that so desperately, as all of us do. Uh, I was out the other day, and there was this uh, gentleman who was, uh, you could tell he was older, a bit older than me, and uh, he had, uh, my dear friend, Brother Frank, the same kind of thing, he had a hat on, I don't know if it said Korea or something, but he had a hat on talking about his service. And when I go out to eat with Brother Frank, he likes to wear that Korea service hat because people buy him meals, women kiss him. It's unbelievable, all the things that happens to him. But uh, this gentleman was um, uh, had the hat on, and, and somebody went up to him and said, uh, thank you for your service, happy Memorial Day. Just, it was very honoring. We talked about honor last week, very respectful. And just very kindly and humbly, this, this gentleman said, Memorial Day's not for me yet. He said, Veterans Day, you could buy me dinner, but Memorial Day are for the ones that have passed already. And he wasn't being ugly and wasn't, you know, wasn't being disrespectful to him. Uh, but I think he was saying that to honor those that have given their lives uh, in service to our country uh, for the freedoms that we have today. Because it's not free. Freedom isn't free. It came with a high price. And, and we all know that and we celebrate that. And that's why we're able to be here this morning to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and truth. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. amen. If you love Jesus, say amen. amen. And we are so, so glad you're here today. My wife, when she gave the welcome, uh, was referring to uh, um, uh, how blessed we are. You know, it's, it, there's something very special uh, in our lives when we see miracles in front of us. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes we kind of brush them off as, oh, that's just the way things happen. I was watching... Uh, one of our uh, worship team sing this morning, Brother Daniel, uh, coach, excuse me. I'm sorry about that, coach. But uh, he's a great, great basketball coach, by the way. But Daniel was leading in that last song. And uh, he could talk of a miracle uh, in his, with his wife. She's expecting their second child. And it's been a journey for them. And that's something that was prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. And we're still praying for her. We've got a prayer all the way to the, to, uh, all the way to you're holding that little Bambino. But that was a miracle. And, and you see miracles in your life, and sometimes we discount those. Oh, that's just the way things work out. And, you know, we've been praying as a church for, for, for my friend, for our friend Kenan, uh, for, for the last five, six weeks. And, and uh, he's here worshiping with us this morning. Isn't that awesome? And we give glory to God for that. Uh, it was two weeks ago on a Sunday, I, I, we, were, we were with Monica, and they said, you know, they were taking him off the medicine. They said it could be a week, could be a couple months. And uh, so he, he did what a good Christian would do. He got let out yesterday for, for kind of a weekend pass. He's got one more week in the hospital to go. So if he leaves a little bit at the end of service day, it's not because he don't want to say hi. He might be a little tired. So, um, uh, but he got a weekend pass, and he did what any good Christian would do with a weekend pass Saw Star Wars and came to church. I mean, you just can't. That's a man of God right there. That is a man of God. So we're certainly glad, Ken, that you're here. And we love you and just thankful for what God's doing in your life. And, and on behalf of his family, I know I'm, I don't, uh, I'm not uh, want to overstate this, but we all thank you for praying for them and for all the love that's been extended towards him. And I'm sure in a couple weeks when he's ready, we'll have him give a testimony. We're just glad he's here. And we also are super, super glad for me, uh, Espanol Familia. Welcome to our Spanish believers. I want to share something with you. 
And everybody turn around and say hi to Obi. He's in the bad boy corner over there doing our interpreting this morning. I've got 20 more pounds till the, to lose before they let me in that tiny, tiny interpreter's booth. But, um, you know, uh, Miguel, you'll remember this. When we came here three years ago, and, and um, we would have service over in the bigger building, all of our Spanish people would sit in one area together uh, when we would do combined services. And it was usually, I, I believe, it was on the right-hand side kind of towards the back. And now it's hard to tell how many of our Spanish family, because you're sitting all over the church this morning, together as one church, as one body of God. And I love that. I just love that. And I, I love the, the oneness we have in Christ. Even though there's a, a language barrier sometimes, uh, we are all part of his family. Now, I've done all my pre-speak, and I'll have a second message after our sermon this morning. I'm sure, but I want to tell you something, church. We are very, very blessed, very, 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 uh, just a great opportunity this morning uh, for us to be poured into by a great man of God, Pastor Craig Johnson. I met Pastor Craig about three years ago when we had met through a mutual friend of ours, Pastor Anthony Milas, my buddy up in New Hampshire, uh, said, you got to meet this guy. He's got this great ministry called Champions Club, and, and, and we have had family members and people we love that that have children with special needs, so it's near and dear to our heart. We actually introduced it to Canyon Creek about two years ago over Christmas when I had Pastor Craig uh, come speak for us. And we were very, very intentional. One of the first things we made sure we did when we were putting our blueprints and our plans together for this building is to have plenty of space for our Champions Club ministry uh, in our new church. And I'm very excited about that. We got our drawings finished this week. They're turned into Plano. Now we just got to pray the rest of it in, okay? So you'd be praying about that with me this week. But the neat thing about when I met Pastor Craig, it was Pastor Craig, Champions Club. He wrote a great book that we use with our staff that's been a big blessing. And then probably, I don't know, it's maybe an hour or two later, I said, hey, uh, you don't even remember this, but uh, I said, where, where do you work? He says, I work down in Houston at a church called Lakewood. And I didn't, oh, that, you work for Lakewood Church. Yeah, I work for Pastor Joel Osteen. We were friends before I even knew that, which I kind of was, which I love because uh, I'm sure he gets, oh, and everybody wants to talk about Joel Osteen. Oh, you work for Joel Osteen, Joel, 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 and we honor him and we love him and I'm not, you know, disrespecting, but God has his hand on this man's life and he has a very special calling uh, to not only lead his church with this amazing Champions Club ministry, but churches all across the world. And that song that we were singing, Jesus leaving the 99 to go get the one, uh, that's, that's a principle. When you love the least of these, Jesus says it's just like you're loving him. And I'm excited about what God's going to do through the Champions Club ministry, through families that are going to be reached, through special needs kids that are going to be reached, families that are going to be touched. And I know God's going to use this as a great outreach and just a testimony uh, for, for the kind of church that we have. And, and I want to, I just want to... Um, ask you this morning, uh, after church, Pastor Craig has these books that's called Champion. And this is, uh, I've read two of his books already. He's a great writer, super practical, super real. They're $10. If you want one and don't have $10, we'll give it to you. Uh, if you want one, don't have $10, but do have a credit card. We have a credit card thinger, so you can do that. But uh, we'd like for you to get one of these books if you want one. They'll be on uh, the back table 
uh, to my left after church. And we'll tell you about that after the church service this morning. But would you do something with me this morning? Would you welcome our guest speaker? Make him feel welcome, Pastor Craig Johnson. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Ed. Love you, Ed. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. It's great to be here with you today. And uh, come to Dallas. We, we actually uh, came and had a couple days to just uh, enjoy ourselves and, and be with our son and my, my wife. And uh, how many love your pastors? Aren't they amazing, Pastor Kim and Ed? Uh, I'm telling you, you know, you really do. And you have some of the best pastors in the world right here at your church. And their heart um, is incredible uh, for reaching people. And what I love about Pastor Ed and Kim is this, you know, you'll find this at different times. I want to say this in the right way. You'll find this at different times where, where churches, you know, they'll say they're inclusive, but in a lot of ways, you know, they're still a little bit exclusive. But I find their hearts in this church, this is really an inclusive church, where you love everybody, where people can come in from all different types of backgrounds. They can go through different things, and, and God uses that. And so I applaud you today that I can't wait to see what's going to happen with Warehouse in the next five years. I, I think you need to get prepared, you know, for what God's going to do because I think it's going to be bigger than, than what you can even imagine. And I, I was talking to the staff yesterday, and, I, you know, I asked the question, what do you want? You know, lots of times we... we we're not sure what we want, but God's really wanting to ask for us to ask big and believe big and know that he's capable of doing that. And I told him yesterday, I said, you know, so many times we underestimate God, don't we? We do. We underestimate God all the time just because of how we've been shaped, how we've been raised, maybe from what background we came from. You know, a lot of us are shaped that way, but God's so big. And I remember one time God just saying to me, he said, Craig, he said, why do you underestimate me? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, Craig, what, how do you feel when people underestimate you? And I said, well, you know, God, I feel, I feel like, like they don't value me. I feel like they don't know what I'm capable of. I feel like, you know, God, they, they just can't see all, all that I feel like I can do. And God spoke to me and said, Craig, that's the same way I feel when you underestimate me. And I think that as you go into this season, I want you to get your hopes up. I want you to get prepared for what God's going to do. Don't underestimate him because we could be walking into the next three or five years and you've got 2,500 people instead of 300. Amen? How many believes God can do that? Amen? Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's a privilege for me to be here. Uh, uh, you know, just for me to get away a little bit, it's great. I'm the executive pastor at Lakewood, and so we've got a lot of responsibilities, but um, when I'm able to come out and be with family like, like Pastor Ed and Kim and just be a part of this great church, it's such an honor for me. And I want to show you my family real quick. I don't know if we can put them up there. I think we've got a picture of them, uh, don't we? There we go. Yeah, so that's my family right there. And uh, that's my son, Corey. So Corey's a children's pastor in New York City. And yeah, I know. You know, moving from Houston to New York, it's a big change, right? But my son actually adapted really well because he said, Dad, I don't have to drive anymore. It's awesome. And so he sold his car, moved to New York, and he take, he's 10 minutes from his, from his work and takes public transportation. He thinks he's in heaven, you know. I'd rather have a car, but that's just me, right? Uh, that's my daughter, Courtney. So Courtney, 
she's an actress, and she has been working for Pure Flix Films for about two years. And uh, she's done about four movies so far in production and different things like that. And uh, she's getting ready to go to L.A. So I'm going to have two kids on both sides of America. How many, are there any other parents going through that right now where your kids are living far away? That's a bummer, man. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we're going to miss her. But God's really using her. She was in uh, God's Not Dead 3. And she worked with the director and had a part there, this last one. And so we're really proud of her. And then that's uh, my son, Connor. So Connor's 14 years old. Corey's 26. And uh, Courtney's uh, 24. And Connor was our surprise. Do we, ha do we have any surprise babies uh, here? Yeah. So Connor was our surprise. And uh, the cool thing about Connor is God's using Connor all over the world right now. And what's really cool, he doesn't even know it. You know, he doesn't even realize it right now. But we'll tell you a little bit more about his story. And that's my beautiful wife, Samantha. Uh, we've been married 28 years. And so that's a long time. Amen? That is by far the longest I've ever went out with a girl. So it's a big deal. You know, 28 years. So uh, she's amazing. She's my hero. And uh, all that she does, we're just so, so, I'm just so honored to be her husband. And that's my family. You know, I'll never forget going back, Pastor Ed. You know, how many knows that when you start out in life and you get married and even when you start to go to college, you start to make plans, right? And you get these plans and you think your life is going to go a certain way and everything. And that's me and my wife. We actually want to have our kids early um, because uh, we felt like when our kids got to got to be in college or different things like that, uh, they would be able, we'd be able to go and travel and do some of the things we want to do. But God had an unrehearsed destiny. And I call it unrehearsed destiny because you didn't plan it, but God had it planned all along. And I'll never forget about 14, well, about 15 years ago, uh, we had a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. We were living in California at the time, and we were done having kids. And uh, so I went and got that operation to help you stop having kids, right? And uh, I got that operation on a Thursday, and my wife came in crying on the following Saturday. And she said, you won't believe this, but I'm pregnant. And then I started crying, and it got worse from there, right? And after I got through the shock, you know, of having a baby, we were really excited that we were going to have this child. But... It started us on a journey we had no idea we were about to go on. And it was a journey that we didn't realize at the time, but literally that God was going to use to change the world. And it wasn't going to be an easy journey. It wasn't going to be a journey that, that it was going to be all just excitement and thrills and everything was going to go our way. As a matter of fact, it was going to be probably one of the most toughest journeys in our life. And when we had our son, Connor, Connor was just like our other two kids. You know, he was so interactive. He would talk to us. He would play with other friends. He would uh, uh, give us a hug and a kiss. He was just like our other two kids. But then all of a sudden, something changed. And what, during that season, I remember during that season, and I'll share a little bit more about that story as I go along here, but I remember during that season that we literally couldn't stand by ourselves. It was so difficult because when 
Soon after that, we got our son's diagnosis that he was on the middle of the spectrum with autism. And I remember during those times how difficult that was, how overwhelming it was. And, and you didn't know the unknown and, and all those things that you had to deal with. But we found out that God, during the, mo the most difficult times in our life, during the, some of the biggest challenges in our life, he would bring giants of the faith into our life. And when we couldn't stand, God would bring these giants into our life that we, we couldn't stand, we could stand on their shoulders. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to speak out of the New Century Version, so just follow me. I think we've got it on the screen right here. But I want to speak to you today on the topic of standing on the shoulders of giants. And Sir Isaac Newton said this, he said, if I've seen further, I love this quote, if I've seen further, it was by standing on the shoulders of giants. And you know, I want to tell you something today. You don't realize it, you may not feel like it, but there are heroes in this room right now. As a matter of fact, as I look at each and every one of you, I'm telling you, I'm looking at a potential hero or somebody that is already a hero. For someone else right now you say you know I don't feel like it I I, I I I don't see myself that way and that's probably why you're a hero because you don't see yourself that way you see as I look out I see one hero after another and you might be saying you know Craig who me how how can I ever do anything like that I've never done anything heroic in my life well, that's what I love about Hebrews chapter 11 there's really a chapter that talks about the heroes of the faith. And it's interesting about this chapter right here because if you look and you go down Hebrews chapter 11, literally at each verse it starts out by faith. It says by faith, by faith. And it's this chapter that, that really talks about people that were just ordinary people like you and I. Matter of fact, some of these people had more problems than you and I have. Yet even though they had all these problems, even though they had all these difficulties and stuff, God still used them to do heroic things. I love where it starts right here in verse 1. We look at this as the faith scripture, but it's so much more. It says, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. See, many times we look at miracles, and I want to tell you, I celebrate with you, Keenan. I mean... You're an amazing miracle here today, man. And we're so, I'm so proud uh, of, of you not staying in that hospital room and coming to church today. That took a lot of strength. That took a lot of faith today. And you know what? You're a hero today, and I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of people wouldn't have done that. And that inspiration inspires me that when I'm not feeling well, when I've gone through a difficult challenge in my life, you know what? I'm going to stand on your shoulders and it's going to catapult me because of your inspiration. I'm so proud of you. And you know, faith is, is things we hope for. We don't see them, but it's things we hope for, knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. I always tell people this all the time. There are miracles happening all around you. You just don't realize it. What one may see as ordinary, another may see as a miracle. You know, right now, you think your health, maybe you're in great health right now. Man, that may be ordinary to you right now. But for Kenan, that's a miracle. You know, if you can talk to your child and have a conversation with your child right now, you know, that, that might be really ordinary for you. 
But for me, with my son, that would be a miracle for me to have a conversation with you. And you realize that in life, there are miracles happening all around you. The key to it is, is that do you see them? Do you see what God's doing? That's what faith is. Faith causes us to see miracles happening all around us that most people never see. That's why one of the greatest gifts I ever got was being a, a father of special needs. Because I see things that most people never see. I see miracles happening around me that most people never see. Because even the little things we see in life that most people overlook, I look at them and go, man, that would be a miracle for me. That's huge. And I love this, the, the, the continuance of this scripture right here. It says, faith is the reason we remember great people who live in the past. Now, here's the reason why we remember these people. You know, what they became, they became giants of the faith. And not because they were born heroic. How many of us does that give us hope, right? <laughs> right? They were born heroic. They were normal people like you and me and some with bigger flaws than you and I have. See, these heroes of the Bible didn't have it all together. And I thank God for that. <laughs> You see, David was an adulterer and murderer. You look at Peter, he was a liar who denied Christ. I mean, when he was with Christ. And that's unbelievable, right? That you would deny him when you're with him. Paul persecuted and killed Christians. That's pretty serious, right? I mean, not many times will you walk into a sanctuary and know somebody that, that possibly killed somebody else. I mean, that was heavy. Rahab was a prostitute. So you look at all these people that today we might look at as heroes of the faith. Heroes are talked about in this scripture right here. But what made them heroes was not their perfection. It was their faith. They tried to do everything by faith. They trusted God. And here's the thing with God. God never asks if you're qualified. He just asks if you're willing to respond. He just asks if you're willing. See, courage is not by strength. Courage is by faith. We're not courageous because we're strong or, 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 or we, we just obtain this. It's by faith that we're strong. It's by faith that we're courageous. And sometimes we equate being strong with physical strength. But here's the key. True strength is not physical. It's supernatural. It's not physical. It's supernatural. But in our physical bodies, when we look at strength, we look at something physical, don't we? We don't look at something supernatural. And I love this. When, you know, when the nation of Israel was looking up at a nine-foot giant named Goliath. And this nine-foot giant, he was huge. He was built. <laughs> he had a huge sword. He had a huge spear. He had everything that you would look at and say, man... That is a giant. That's a huge person. If I looked at that person right there, that'd be the strongest person I've ever met in my life. And you'd be overwhelmed by it. And again, you know, when the people looked at, the, at Goliath, they were overwhelmed, weren't they? See, all of them, the people, the soldiers, and even the king of Israel were afraid. But sometimes, when you look at it differently, you realize this. God placed the best things in life on the other side of fear. And when David got there, and he stood before Goliath, he showed no fear because he wasn't looking at this person that was nine feet in front of him. No, 
what David was doing is he was standing on another giant. And his name was God. <laughs> and he was standing on this giant and still looking up at the giant. What he was doing because of his faith, he was actually looking down at him. He had a different perspective of him. See, when you stand on the shoulders of God, you'll get a different perspective on whatever you're going through right now. You'll look at things differently. You won't look at things the same, will you? And many times when you look at, look at this situation right here, he was staying on the shoulders of Almighty God himself. And while everybody else was looking up, David was looking down at his enemy. And you'll get that new perspective when you are staying on the shoulders of the Almighty God, won't you? You may say, Craig, you know, I'm going through some storms in my life today. I'm going through some difficult challenges. It's tough. What I'm going through right now, it's overwhelming. Maybe you're going through something financially. Maybe you're going through something spiritually right now. Maybe you have a child that doesn't know God, or, or maybe you're going through something relationally, and, and maybe you're a parent here, and you have a special needs child, and, and you can identify with what I'm talking about today and, and what you go through, but... I want to encourage you on something. This is really how you stand on the shoulders of God. You see, you may be going through something today, and you may be going through storms yourself, and you look at yourself and you say, how can I help someone else when I'm going through something? But I want to tell you something, and I've learned this in my journey. When you're going through a storm, the best thing that you can do is be good to someone else. When you're going through a challenge in your life, the best thing you can do is begin to help someone else. I met somebody the other day, and he, he was working. We were, we were working with Samaritan's Purse, and we were putting together the shoe boxes and stuff like that. And he was putting together these shoe boxes for kids in, in, in different countries that, that were underprivileged. And, and he was crying. And was, he was putting these shoe boxes together. And I, I walked up to him. I said, why are you crying? He said, Pastor Craig. He said, I blew it in my marriage. He said, I did everything I, that could, I could possibly do wrong. And he said, my wife won't take me back. And he said, I've tried everything. He said, I have no chance. She, she told me I have no chance that the marriage is over. And he said, you know, instead of staying in that just place of failure, of pity, of being victimized or feeling like a victim even though I was the wrong person, he said, I just came here today because I wanted to be good to someone else. And he said, Pastor Craig, even though I feel horrible in one sense, he says, this makes me feel better. He said, it gave me a different perspective on what I was going through. And you see, when you're going through something else, the best thing you can be is be good to someone else when you're going through that storm. You see what it's like? It's like an eagle. Have you ever seen an eagle flying? An eagle, when an eagle's going through a storm, and the wind and the rain are hitting the eagle. The eagle doesn't stand the storm. What the eagle does is it spreads its wings as wide as it can. And all of a sudden, the wind begins to lift the eagle up out of that storm where it's peaceful and beautiful into the eye. And what the eagle does, it gets a different perspective on that storm. And you see, when you're going through a storm and whatever you're going through today, what you've got to be is you've got to be like the eagle spreading its wings. And see, what God's going to do is he's going to lift you up out of that storm. And when you're good to someone else, you're going to get, get a different perspective on your storm. And you're going to begin to see things differently. You see, you see, I found out that when we got our diagnosis, that even on our worst day, we might become someone else's best hope. 
And I'll never forget when I got the diagnosis. I'll never forget where I was. We were driving, and my wife called me, and she said, Craig, she said, we just got the diagnosis. And you got to understand what we went through before we got that diagnosis. See, where my son would come and give us a hug and a kiss. Now, all of a sudden, over a period of two weeks, he stopped showing any emotion whatsoever. And he would look away. And he would not even look us in the eye, and he would show no emotion. Where he would play with other friends, now he went over and played by himself, and he would just stare off at a wall. Where he would say, I love you, Mommy and Daddy, and he would say different words, now he stopped talking altogether. The only way I could explain it was like a bad car wreck. Where one day you, your child's one way, and very soon after, he's a totally different child. And at two years old, we saw our life literally change in one instant. And I remember my wife telling me, and she said, Craig, a Texas Children's Hospital just called, and he said, Connor's on the middle of the spectrum. And remember this, when you're going through a storm, how many knows that's when the enemy comes in stronger than ever, doesn't he? He comes in with everything he has. And what he tries to do is he tries to bring in fear. And fear is his number one weapon. Because he knows that fear can cause you to spiral and start thinking things that aren't happening. And it takes away your faith. And it puts you in a position of confusion. And right away when my wife gave me that diagnosis, I could hear the enemy just saying to me, Craig, your child's not going to be like your other two kids. Your child's going to be worthless. He'll never do anything great in life. Your child, you'll take care of him the rest of your life. He has no value. He has no giftings. This is your lot in life. I remember hearing those words, and I had choice right at that moment to either choose faith over fear, but I'll never forget the messages. See, it was interesting, Pastor Ed, I thought I was coming to Lakewood to minister to people. I had no idea I was coming to Lakewood to be ministered to, and I'd hear these messages of hope from our pastor. They'd say, you're more than a conqueror. Don't give up. Your best days are ahead of you. No matter what you're going through today, keep going. Man, God's got a plan for your life. And still listening to those voices of fear, I stood on that shoulder of that giant, our pastor at that time, and I hit the gas on my car, and I drove home, and I drove up the driveway, and I ran upstairs, and I picked up my little two-year-old boy, and I held him in my arms, and I said, you are not a victim, you're a victor. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror. You see, we can even become victimized by our challenges, or God will give us a giant to stand on to help us overcome. You see, first, he'll be our giant, right? We need him, number one. He's got to be the one, because that's how we go from strength to strength. That's how we overcome things in our life. But he'll also use people. To help us through situations. I'll never forget when my, my little sister, when she was born, she's three years older than I am. When she was born, she was born with no kneecaps. And literally, instead of her legs bending this way, her legs bent the other way. And literally, with her, she could touch the top of her forehead with her toes as a little two-year-old. By the time she was two years old, she had already had eight surgeries. By the time she was two years old on, on her legs. My parents were young pastors at that time. And just starting out in the ministry. They went to the last 
surgery. And after the surgery, the doctor sat down with him. And for after eight surgeries, the doctor told him, I'm sorry, we've done everything we can do, but your daughter will never walk again. We're so sorry. My dad was supposed to speak. He was a pastor. He was supposed to speak at a church that night. And as he drove from San Francisco to Visalia, California, he drove that three hours, whatever it was, drive and everything. He looked over at my mom. And he said, this is too much. I, I can't pastor the church and I can't, I can't, you know, deal with this and, and everything else we're dealing with. I can't do it. And he said, I'm going to tell the pastor when I walk up on the stage tonight that I, I'm going to quit the ministry. I'm going to step back and I can't speak tonight. My mom tried to console him, tried to keep him in there, but he was a young pastor dealing with his daughter never walking again, what that meant and how he'd have to take care of her. And he felt overwhelmed and fear started coming in and, and, and the enemy started hitting him with everything he could. As he walked in into a building like this and everything, and here's the here's interesting thing when it comes to a giant, God will use the most unlikely of people to become giants in someone else's life. And as he walked into the building about halfway down the aisle, all of a sudden, as he's going to tell this pastor he's quitting the ministry, he can't speak tonight, a little five-year-old girl comes up to him and pulls on the back of his coattail. My dad looks to see who it is, and he looks to see an adult, and he looks down, and it's a, it's a little child. This little child reaches up and said, God told me to give you this. And it was a little piece of paper. My dad patted her on the head, put the piece of paper in, in, into his pocket, and thanked the little girl. As he went on to the, to the platform and everything, he's distraught. He's about to lean over in the middle of the service before he's supposed to speak. And he's going to tell the pastor he can't speak, that he's stepping back from the ministry. And all of a sudden, God told him, he said, reach in your pocket and look at that note. And my dad, as distraught as he was, he reaches in his pocket. And it was a table prayer. It was a scripture. And it said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. See, all that fear, all of a sudden the word of God came in and faith started to rise. Instead of my, my dad saying that he was going to not be in the ministry anymore, he stood on the shoulders of that little girl that day. And he got up and he preached a message on don't give up. God's got a plan for your life. Your life's not over. It's just beginning. And hundreds of people came that night and got saved. And I'm standing here today because of that little giant of the faith that went in the aisle and gave my dad that note. You see, God will use the most unlikely of people. And you might just find that kneeling to pray gives you the strength to stand when you're going through those times and when you're facing those issues. See, that wasn't just the end of the story. Not only did that little girl inspire my dad not to give up, but people prayed, just like they prayed for Ken right here, and they prayed. And about six months later, my little sister in her cast pulled herself up on the couch, and she stood for the first time. And then about three months later, she took her first steps, and my sister's been walking ever since. <laughs> you see, God will use giants of the faith to give you just what you need when you need it. He, you, you, in this room here today, you don't realize it, but God wants to use you. I'll never forget when we were, when we got that diagnosis, and my son... He was, he was struggling. 
you know, where he would talk to us. Now he'd stop talking. He knew he could talk at one time. But what he would do, he'd start pointing at things. And when he couldn't, couldn't get our attention and help us understand what he wanted, he would start having these terrible meltdowns. And we tried everything. And we weren't just dealing with that. We were dealing with so many other challenges. But when he had these meltdowns, they were horrific. And, and we were trying everything to work with him through this and stuff. And by the time he was five years old, they, they, some of them got to be so bad. I remember my wife being in a grocery store, and, and she was in this grocery store. And, and for no reason, Connor had this terrible meltdown. And, and, and I don't know if you realize this, but, but society has a struggle when things aren't normal, what they would consider normal, when things are out of place. And you don't blame society. You don't blame uh, uh, human nature. It's just a part of it and everything. But here my sons have a meltdown. My wife's trying to just get them up and get them out of the store. And everybody's kind of looking at them like, why aren't you taking care of your child? Why aren't you disciplining him right? Why aren't you helping them? Or they're looking at my child like he's a freak. And, and my wife's just trying to get him out of the store the best that she can. And I remember she came home. And I'll never forget what she said to me that day, Pastor Ed. She said, you know, Craig, she said, I'm not sure if I can take it anymore. You got to realize my wife's my hero. She's one of the strongest people I've ever known in my life. She's amazing. I knew she was just saying that just off of, off of emotion. She said, I'm not sure if I can take it anymore. I remember driving to work that day after she said that, and I just asked God why. Have you ever asked God why? <laughs> when you're going through a storm, when you're going through a challenge, I just asked God why. Not why we had our son, but I said, God, why is he struggling so much? And this is probably the most intimate conversation I've ever had with God. It was like he was sitting in the seat right next to me, and I was talking to him. And I remember God just saying to me, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child is a gift. I said, God, I know what you mean. We love our son. He says, no, you're not listening to me. He said, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child is a gift. I said, God, what do you mean? He said, you're looking at everything that's wrong with him. You're not looking at everything that's right. I said, God, what are you saying? He said, Craig, I'm going to use your son to reach millions of people. Now, I got to be honest with you. Millions of people? <laughs> I mean, you're going to use my son? And I literally picked up a bottle of water in my car. And it's okay if a pastor's vulnerable, right? <laughs> and I, I was at the most vulnerable place I could be. And I said, God, my son can't even ask for a drink of water. How is he going to reach millions of people? I'll never forget what God spoke to me during that time. And these are the four words he'll speak to you whenever you're going through a difficult time, whenever you're going through a desert. And he just said this, do you trust me? And I didn't give him the pastoral answer, right? <laughs> you know, oh, great God of the universe. I didn't have it, man. I just said, God, you're always God. But I trust you. And I remember after that conversation, Pastor, I was thinking things were going to get better. Man, they got worse. <laughs> The meltdowns got worse. The things got worse. It, it, it was brutal. And I remember during that time, I couldn't pray elaborate prayers. All I could say was, I trust you, or I'd speak the name of Jesus. But I found out with God that was enough. <laughs> if you could just say, I trust you. If you could just say his name. But all of a sudden, three months later, my wife came calling from upstairs. She said, Craig, Craig, get up here. Get up here. And I thought something was a matter, and I run upstairs. I said, what is it? She's crying. She said, Craig, I was putting Connor to bed. I was reading him a couple books. 
She said, I was praying over him. She said, she said, all of a sudden, he began to speak. And he began to say one word after another word, one sentence after another sentence, one paragraph after another paragraph. Now, I started crying because you got to understand, I've only heard my son put together two words in three years. I said, what do you mean he began to speak? And she said, he began to speak. And I, I said, what do you say? And so she walked me over his bed, and she leaned over the bed, and she said, Connor, say it for mom and daddy. Say it again. And all of a sudden, my five-year-old boy just looked up and actually looked at us. And all of a sudden, he began to speak. And he said, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. That was my son's first words that he spoke. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You see, that's the declaration that we see at our church. Little did we know, we were bringing our pastor's messages home. And it didn't matter if the message changed. That declaration is at the first of every message. And our son was taking those DVDs, and we didn't know it, and putting them in the DVD player, and he'd play them over and over again. And even though he may not have remembered every message, that, that declaration was playing over and over again, and it became his first words. Well, we spoke about that, and all of a sudden, Pastor Joel comes up to me and said, Craig, can I speak about that message? And when he spoke about that message, that video went viral. And over 40 million people in one month heard my son's testimony. And they started seeing emails to us say, saying how much our son had touched them, inspired them not to give up. In Cambodia, they had 10 special needs schools. And each special needs student wrote my son a letter telling them, or the parent helped them, telling them how he had inspired them. And I realized at that time what God was doing, but I didn't realize how he was doing it. I'll never forget being in the middle of Chicago White Sox Stadium, 50,000 people. And Pastor Joel, a night of hope, and he asked us to walk out with our son, to, and they were showing his testimony on there. And all of a sudden, you know, Connor's walking out there, and he, he's waving at everybody, right? And they're showing the testimony, and God stopped me. He said, Craig, remember when you were in the car? He said, remember why I told you to trust me? He said, look at all these people. He says, they're being inspired by your... He said, I never go back on my word. And you see, what God did at that moment, he gave me a, me a giant to stand on. Pastor Joel was our giant. Well, it didn't stop there because... We just found out, and I want to bring this kind of around to a close right here. We just found out that there were millions of families like mine that had special needs. As a matter of fact, autism is growing at an epidemic rate right now. Ten years ago, it was 1 in 121. Now it's 1 in 59 with autism. They're being diagnosed with autism. There are millions of families like mine all across America, and it's growing in third world countries. And what's happening with these families right now is they're, they're dealing with four things. One, they're dealing with this. They're dealing with rejection from society. So what they've stopped doing, they become shut in and they stop going out because it becomes too hard. Number two, schools will tell you they're failing two areas, at-risk kids and special needs. The reason why they're failing with special needs is there's too many kids. 
You can't develop a child with a one to eight ratio when they are on the middle of a spectrum. There's too many kids. Number three, this is what they're dealing with. They're dealing with rejection from the church. 99% of churches don't have anything for special needs. And so many of these families can't go to church. And number four, they deal with what they're doing at home. Well, what, I, I walked through the church one day, and I had a similar conversation with God. And I walked through, and Craig st- uh, God stopped me and said, Craig, look at what you're doing for typical kids. It looks like Disneyland. But look at what you're doing for special needs kids. And we were like a lot of other churches. We weren't doing very much. He said, Craig, those kids deserve the very best, just like every other child. He said, when you look in these kids' eyes, he says, who you're looking at is you're looking at me. Because when you do it in the least of these, you do it unto me. He said, favor will follow you when you begin to reach out to these kids and families because I'm not going to let them be forgotten anymore. And so we got together with some of the top medical researchers in the area and asked them to be a part of a task force. We got together with the top educators in the area and asked them to be a part of a task force. And we got together with the most important special needs moms and dads. And for an entire year, we came up with what was called the Champions Club. And the Champions Club is a holistic approach, mind, body, soul, and spirit. So there's a physical therapy area, a sensory area, uh, an educational area, and a spirit area. And two years ago, Dr. Sandy Robinson and I wrote the first Christian curriculum in history for special needs. It deals with behavioral. We started at Lakewood. We had no idea what, what would happen. But over 300 families started coming to Lakewood in the first six months just because of the Champions Club. It was our number one growth spurt that we ever had instead of going from the one building to the next. It was the number one growth spurt we've ever had. Because you want to talk about the most unchurched people group in the world today? It's special needs. I'm telling you right now. It's special needs. They are, most of them are not in churches. They are sitting at home and if they get church, they're watching online. And I'll never forget God bringing all back around and When I couldn't stand on my own, God gave me a giant to stand on. And it was multiple people in my heart, life, they became heroes. And when special needs families couldn't stand on our own, Pastor Ed, I became, my wife became that giant to stand on. Because when we launched Champions Club, it didn't just stop there. People started hearing about Now there are 65 Champions Clubs around the world, one on every continent. And they're helping people in every situation. But here's the great thing that I want to close with. There are families all through this area right now. And you don't realize it, but you're going to be heroes to families like mine that are going to come to this church for the first time. And you say, how big is it to these families? It's transformational. It is huge. These families, me them, have not been in church for six and ten years. And they're going to be able to come to church for the first time because of the heroes sitting in this room. There's many of them that just want to give and be a part of a community and serve. And you're going to give them that opportunity for the first time to be a part of this church. And I'm so proud to announce today that Warehouse Church is going to be our second church in the Dallas area to start Champions Club. You see, that's why I'm looking at heroes in this room today. That's why I'm looking at giants of the faith. You're going to be the giants that these families are going to be able to stand on. When they couldn't stand on their own, you'll be the giants that can do it. God bless you today. Thank you so much for letting me share.